0: Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter number 10 and verse number 34 to 39. Cassandra, you're welcome. Amen. All right. Do you think that I came to bring peace on earth? I did not come to bring peace but a sword for i have come to set a man against his father a daughter against her mother a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's enemies will be those of his own household he who loves father and mother or mother more than me is not worthy of me and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Hallelujah. Matthew 16, 24 to 28 Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 to 28. The Bible says that then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each one, each according to his works. Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Here ends the reading of his holy word. Hallelujah. Last week we started talking about sacrifice is what God requires. Amen. Sacrifice is what God requires. How many remember what we talked about? We talked about eight or nine things. Can we rehearse it quickly? The things we used to do, isn't it? He says that the things we used to do, we have to sacrifice it. Amen. How many know that some things you used to do, you can't do them now that you're a Christian? Hello? Some things that you were comfortable with and you used to get on with. As a Christian, you are not allowed to do that. Amen. It's a a gospel of sacrifice. That's what we're talking about. on on Sunday. Amen. If you are not ready to sacrifice, you are not ready to get closer to God. We've been talking about this for a while now. Hallelujah. It's a gospel of sacrifice and it means that the things you, you yourself want to do, yourself must not do it. Amen. And Jesus is saying that if you want to please yourself, then you will not make it. Amen. Number two was what? The things we used to say, we cannot say. Some of us, we used to be very profane. As a Christian, you cannot become profane. Amen. Bible says that can a well produce better water and sweet water at the same time. It's not possible. So your mouth cannot be swearing and cursing, and at the same time, blessing God. So as a Christian, you have to bite your tongue when somebody is insulting you. You have the vocabulary inside that you can use to reply. How many (laughs) know what I'm talking about? You have the swear words inside of you. But when you are squeezed, what must come out is not swear words. Otherwise, you are not truly really born again. I said on, on, on Wednesday last week that if you are squeezed, what comes out of you is what you are full of. Amen. So when you are squeezed, somebody squeezes you emotionally. They squeeze. They touch all the wrong buttons in your uh, what do you call it? In your system, what comes out? That is what you are full of. If praise comes out, then you are full of praise. If curse words or swear words comes out, then that is what you are full of. Amen. The next one was what? Sorry? The places I used to go, I cannot go there anymore. Amen. Next one. The clothes you used to wear, you, are, you cannot wear them anymore. Amen. Bible says that all things are lawful. Everything is lawful, but not everything is expedient. Amen. And we read a scripture that says that if whatever you are doing makes you or makes your brother to sin, that is a sin. Am I making sense? If the thing you are doing causes your brother to fall, that is a sin to you. Amen. So, he said, I'm free. I can wear the clothes. I don't have any bad intentions, you know, to wear this type of clothes. But if that one is making somebody sin, then that is not good for you. Amen. So, that's part of the sacrifice. Next one was what? Sorry? The music music we used to listen to, we must. You know, and Jesus is saying that if we don't hate ourselves and the things that our own flesh will want to do, then we are not ready to serve him or, sacrifice or become followers of him. Because when you come to him, you must take up your cross. And the cross, I said to you, is something that you go and die on. It's not something you go and wear as a fashion accessory. Amen. Next one was what? The things you used to see. You cannot see them anymore. Hallelujah. In uh, 1 Peter 2, 6-8, to 8, the Bible says, And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to distractions, making them an example to those who afterward will live ungodly. And delivered righteous lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked, of That righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. So your seeing and your hearing torments your righteous soul. Mm. Today you are very quiet. Is everything okay? Have you eaten? Bible says that... Though Lot was a righteous man, the things that he was seeing and the filth that he was hearing and seeing tormented him to the point that at a point when they were supposed to leave Sodom and Gomorrah, the wife could not hack it but to look back, because she was full of the things that she had seen. Amen. Bible says that the, the eye it may be. Several kinds of voices, but none without signification. Which means that everything you see and everything you hear has an effect on you. Am I making sense? So, as a Christian, you must control the atmosphere you live in. You must control the music that comes around you. You must control the television that comes around you. You must control everything around you, the people and even what they are allowed to say. If the people around you are swearing freely and they don't even, are not conscious of your presence being there, then there's something wrong with you. Hello? I don't know whether you are hearing me tonight. Amen. Amen. Hmm. And you see, what I want you to understand as we continue today is that every day requires sac- sacrifice as a Christian. Every day, beloved, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So what is the basic and reasonable service required of you is daily, continuous, living sacrifice. So, you don't sacrifice, you know, last year and this year is free. Or you don't sacrifice, you know, Monday through to Saturday and Sunday is free. Because you have done very well Monday to Saturday. It doesn't work like that. Am I making sense? Sacrifice is an everyday thing. So, every day you will have to bite your tongue and not swear. Every day you will have to Close your eyes and not see. Amen. Am I making sense? There's, you see, sometimes when we talk about sacrifice in terms of as, as Christians, our minds wander very far. Because you are thinking about the day that they will crucify you or the day that they will slap you a few times. That is when you are sacrificed. No, 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 no. Every day requires every day sacrifice. Hallelujah. Every day, all these things, the things we used to do, the things we used to see, the places we used to go. Every day, we'll have to confront those things. And when you, conf- that is how you become transformed. And so, the next verse, that's uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, is that be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind, which means that every day, you have to tell your mind, Think differently. Are you with me? Because if you don't tell your mind to think differently, your mind will switch to reset or the default. You understand? If there's a default, your mind will switch to default. And the default of a man is sin. The default of a man is not righteousness. Until uh, Genesis chapter 3 happened, the default of a man was righteousness and holiness. But from Genesis chapter 3, when sin entered into the world, the default of a man became sin. Amen. So I don't care how many uh, dead bodies you raise. I don't care how many miracles you do in a day, in a week. When you allow yourself, your default will be sin. Have you not heard of pastors who are great uh, prophets, miracle workers, they are doing a lot of you know, crazy things for the Lord, and then they fall into sin. And when they fall into sin, in fact, the depravity of the sin that they fall into, even the wildest unbeliever will shake. How many have heard stories like that? The wildest unbeliever; it won't cross their mind to do some certain things. So you wonder what happened to this great man of God to think and to even have the you know the. uh, Strength to do something like that. It is because the mind left unchecked would default to sin. Are you with me? And uh, I read somewhere in the Bible that says that when an unclean spirit leaves a person or leaves a room and it goes, it will go and walk around waterless places. And then after a while, the unclean spirit will say that I will return. To my house. Keyword, my house. God, even though it was, the unclean spirit was sacked, the mind or possessive, is it pronoun? The possessive clause was not taken out. So it still thinks that it is his. So when it comes and finds the room not, not uh, occupied, Then he goes and brings seven other demons more wicked than himself to come and live there. Which means that the room needs to be occupied on a daily basis. Amen. So sacrifice as a Christian is occupying your mind daily with the word of God. Daily meditating on these words. Night and day. So that it will make your way prosperous. Are you getting it? So when, when uh, Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, when the, uh, uh, God was telling uh, Joshua that this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein, what? Day and night. Because if you meditate day and you forget the night, your mind will default to sin. If you meditate night and you leave the day, into default. Are you getting what I'm saying? So the, the the our sacrifice is a daily thing, day and night, day and night, day and night. Remember the things I used to say, the things I used to do, the things, all those things. Because every minute there is a temptation of some sort, of some, some sort. One, way one way or the other. And if you want to please men, if you want to please people you want to please those who are there, you always end up in trouble. Hallelujah. Lot was a righteous man. But his trying not to offend people is what made him lose his wife. And he he became a slave. He became a prisoner. See, listen, don't want to please anybody, including your own wife and your own husband. Did we not read the scripture? said, do you think I came to bring peace? No, I came to set a man against his own son. A son against the father. A wife against the husband. A husband, a mother-in-law against the daughter-in-law. A son-in-law against a father-in-law. It, didn't we read it? Hallelujah. So that even if, if it will offend your father-in-law, offend him to save the Lord. Um, I don't know whether you got it. Even if it to offend your mother-in-law. Everybody wants to be at the good side of their mother-in-law. How many know that? Every son wants to be at the good books of their mother-in-law. Because mother-in-laws, they can be very troublesome. Letter to all the mother-in-laws. <laughs> Normally father-in-laws, they are not too bad. But mother-in-laws, if you leave them, They can easily cause trouble. So the son wants to be in the good books, but if it has to offend mother-in-law, please offend mother-in-law. Amen. To please the Lord. So sacrifice is not something that it is done naturally. It's not something that is done willingly. It's something you must force yourself to do. How many know that your body doesn't like fasting? Nobody, nobody in this world has a body that likes fasting. Even those who say they don't like eating. As soon as you decide to fast, immediately your body kicks against it. Even though normally you won't eat. Normally, maybe you eat only evenings. And it's fine. You don't feel hungry throughout the day because you are busy. By the day you decide to fast, by 12 o'clock, your body will tell you that no. The reason for not is not today, we have to eat. How <laughs> I many you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So that is where the, the sacrifice kicks in. Say that whether you like it or not, we are, we are not eating. You want to wake up and pray. That is when your body tells you that no, today I am too tired. Normally by four you are up. But the day you decide that you want to pray at four o'clock, 4 a.m., that's when your body will say, Not today. How many know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Because it is not easy to sacrifice. Amen. But that is what God requires. And then the scripture we said that if you Try to protect your life, you lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you will gain it. Hallelujah. If you try to protect your flesh, your flesh will take you to hell. Hallelujah. Because this flesh is an enemy to God. In fact, when you get born again, it's the spirit of God in you that gets regenerated. Your mind and emotions are getting saved as you allow the word of God to come into you. And as you obey the word and you are getting transformed, your mind is renewing gradually. Your mind is not saved just yet. It is also getting saved. That is why we see like some things that you do that we didn't expect you to do It's because the mind is also gradually in progress. So, we make certain excuses that you are also gradually getting there. But as for this flesh, it is not saved. And it will not be saved till you put this flesh down. Hallelujah. The Bible said there corruptible will be put down in place of the incorruptible at the rising. Am I making sense? So until then, it's a sacrifice because your flesh is fighting what you want to do. If you are a, a, an unbeliever, then everything is in, in alignment because the flesh is in charge and everything the flesh wants That's what you do. And there's no problem. But the fight comes in when the spirit is regenerated and is trying to pull you this way and the flesh says no, it's always to the left. Then we have a problem. How many know what I'm talking about? So it's a constant battle. And that battle has to be won on a daily basis. On a daily basis. How many have been tempted today? Only three people. (laughs) (laughs) So, every day we have a choice to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. Every day. God will not force us, but we have to be willing to sacrifice it. Amen. If we are not willing, we will not sacrifice. We will not do it. Amen. But you see, sometimes what we call sacrifice is not necessarily what God is saying or what God wants. Our sacrifice must please God. Sometimes the sacrifice becomes a religious act, which is more hypocritical than anything. Oh, I don't know whether you understand what I'm trying to say, Jesus said to the Pharisees, you whitewash tombs, on the outside you are white and clean, but on the inside you are full of dead men's bones. All horrible things are inside of you. Hallelujah. What were they doing? They were practicing open righteousness. They were practicing open sacrifice. But our open sacrifice was motivated by something that was evil. So we have to be careful that our righteousness is not hypocrisy. Amen. We have to be careful that our righteousness is not something that goes contrary to what God wants us to do. I preach a a message called Motives. And you see, it's all about motives. The thing that we call sinning, sometimes, I don't know whether you have read the Bible the way I have read it. I, I, I keep telling you, I don't read the Bible in text form. I read it in motion pictures. And when I read it in motion pictures, I understand certain things that Maybe when you read it with a letter, it will not make sense. For instance, if you look at, if you make a study of uh, David, you see that everything today we will call deep sin in the church David committed. And yet, God says, he's a man after my heart. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because one of the things that I noticed in the Bible about David is that his motive was always to please God. Even when he was doing something that was terrible. Oh, the place is going quiet. Because you are arguing with me in your mind. <laughs> and I can hear your argument. Because your religious spirit is rising up. Yeah. Did David not have many girls. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not, don't don't misunderstand the message. It's not a ticket to sin. (laughs) That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to make you see that the thing that Saul did, that God called a sin. David did the same thing and God almost ignored it as if it never happened. I'll give you an example. Saul took the effort, the priestly garment, and he went into the, uh, to, to do worship, which was reserved for the priest to do. And God says that because of what you have done, I've taken the kingdom from you. David did not only wear the same priestly effort, but he went and ate the bread that was reserved for the priest. Same sin. But God almost ignored it. Hallelujah. David went and counted the people. God says don't count them. David counted them. Almost everything that God would say don't do, David would do it. But the motive is different. So took the priestly garment and put it on because he wanted to please the people because Samuel had delayed it. Let's go and sacrifice. So, your motive is as important as even what you are doing. I'm going to pray and let everybody know that I am. They are prayer people and they are prayer people. You know, and then you start. I say your reward is here already. You stand in the street corner and you are screaming and shouting. You know, we are impressed. Yes, we will be impressed. But your reward is just by the street corner. So when you are praying, go into your closet. Shut the door. And your father who sees in secret reward you openly. Hallelujah. So your motive is as important as what you're doing. Amen. So, the, the motive, does it please God? Does it please God? Does it please God? Or you are doing something to please a man? I don't know whether the way you are quiet, I'm wondering whether the message is making sense. If men are happy with me, then I'm all right. No, 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 no. No, no. no. Don't want to please any man. Don't want any man to see you as, you know, holy or anything like that. No, 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 no. It's who God sees you as is the most important thing. Not any man. Because as a man, no man will see you holier than they are. How <laughs> many know that? No man will see you more righteous than them. As, I, I mean, the limit is as righteous as they think they are, but not holier or better than they. So why are you worrying about what a man sees and what a man thinks about you? It doesn't really, I mean, I, I, something that I really don't care about what people think about me It's what he thinks about me that's more worrying to me. Amen. And you see, the way God thinks about you and feels about you, you know it. If you are in tune with him, you will know it. Hallelujah. No, no, no. You can dribble everybody, but don't dribble yourself. And please don't dribble God, because you can't. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 13, verse 12 to 16. So Jesus suffered also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here, we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips that acknowledges his name. Do not neglect to do good and share what you have for such sacrifice. Sacrifices are pleasing to God. Amen. Sacrifices that are pleasing to God. Someone say, I don't know what pleases God. Read his word. When you read his word, you will know what pleases him. Amen. And today I've given you one of the secrets. The secret is the motive, not necessarily what you are doing. You are going to church, but what's your motive? You are going and doing extra in church. What is the motive behind it? Someone says it's all about motives. Amen. Oh, I said amen. Okay. So, let's look at some sacrifices that some people made. And just to to trigger us and make us think a little bit more. John chapter 3, verse 30. One of the sacrifices that a man made. John chapter 3, verse 30. He must increase But I must, what? Decrease. Here is a man, John the Baptist. He was the most popular preacher and pastor of the day. People were traveling miles and miles from different countries to the wilderness to go and hear him preach. Are you getting a picture? I I, I keep telling me I read the Bible in pictures. This is a guy who, his church was not in a city. His church was inside the forest. His church was in a bush. And people would take car, they would take trucks, they will, and when you take a car up to a certain point, you have to get down from the car and walk in the middle of the jungle, in the middle of the desert. In the, there's no road that goes there. No donkey, no car can take you there. You have to go through very, very wild terrain to get to church. And when you go to church, you see this crazy looking man. And he's there preaching. You brood of vipers who want you to flee from the impending danger that is to come. Bear fruit of repentance for he is coming soon. Preach very wild messages. Powerful. And he had great following. Then, this guy comes. In fact, this guy comes to worship in his church. One of his sons in the ministry, if you like. And he prays for this son in ministry. Baptizes him. And then the guy goes away. Then all of a sudden, he hears his Many assistants have left his church and they have gone to join this man's church. All of a sudden, some of his main people are leaving his church and they are joining the church of this, this little boy who some people call Absalom and some people call disloyal. Because he's not loyal to. John the Baptist, he has gone off to go and do something else. He has broken away his, the ministry. Instead of John the Baptist preaching messages against him. Instead of John the Baptist cursing him and all those type of things. He says that no. If this thing is of God, then he must increase If my time is finished, then I must decrease. How many of us will be able to sacrifice our pride? Your successes and all your, uh, what do you call it? The name you have. (laughs) I don't know whether you're seeing what I'm seeing. It takes great sacrifice to say that he must increase, that I may decrease. How many of us You are in church. You are the one who is the leader of the the praise or worship or the choir. And then you are doing your best. Then all of a sudden, this small little girl comes. And starts to, and then you say, Oh, let me decrease so that she must increase. No. Pride will say no. Even what the people will say. John the Baptist is losing his his anointing. Now we have heard that it is happening in the camp of in the, it's not more happening in the bush. It is not happening at the seaside. Because we have heard that this Jesus, he likes fish. He likes roasted fish. He likes eating. John the Baptist is always fasting. <laughs> John the Baptist, only wild locusts and honey that he eats. Very spiritual guy. This man, he's always f- eating f- uh, fried fish, frozen, uh, what do you call it? Barbecued fish, grilled fish, tilapia. And uh, he likes eating. He's always eating. So they called him a uh, wine bibber a gluttonous man, a friend of tax collectors, he likes hanging out with the bad boys. And girls. Prostitutes and, and and, you know, ex-gangsters and ex-criminals are his friends. Drug Drug, ex-drug addicts. They are the ones that fellowship in his church. (laughs) But all this is going on, John says that He must increase that I may decrease. Sacrifice. If you love your ministry and love yourself, you will not do it. I've come to realize something. Anything you love, God will take it from you. If you love him more than him, God will take it. The reason why God asked Abraham to go and sacrifice Isaac was because Abraham was getting too fond of Isaac. You know, you've never gone 100 years without a child before. When you go 100 years without a child and you get a child, the way you dote on the child, the way your eyes will follow the child, it will make you leave God. How many understand what I'm saying? It will make you forget about God because your eyes are all over. And God says that I am a jealous God. You shall not put any other God before me. So anything that you are regarding like a God, he would ask you to give it. One day I had a certain church that I loved so much. And I used to, I I mean. When I go to church in the morning, I get there uh, around by 8, because first service was around 8.30, wasn't it? Eight thirty, so about eight, I'm there, and I don't leave sometimes till nine pm, twelve hours, and that's the normal Sunday. So I go in the morning by eight, I don't leave church like nine pm or ten pm, sometimes one am. So gone. That's why now I don't hold any church. <laughs> if the Lord says today, leave, I'm gone. because I've realized that anything you hold too dear, God will ask you for it. And unless you get to a place where nothing means anything, you haven't gotten to the place of sacrifice. I was a young pastor, and I have a very nice thriving church, and I I mean, like, my church was practically the biggest church in the city. Everybody, you know, everybody... uh, the, the talk of the town, when you enter the town, my church will be one of the churches that you talk about. And I said, give it. Just drop it. And what's the dropping that pained me? But it was the person I was dropping it to. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like you have a baby and you see somebody who you know is going to be careless about the baby. Uh, I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. That was what worried me, not the baby that I was dropping. for God. That's why I've transferred myself from this church. (laughs) Hallelujah. So John the Baptist says that let me decrease so that now Pastor Stam will increase. (laughs) Yeah. That's a sacrifice. So when they come they don't see John the Baptist anymore. All of a sudden, John the Baptist is in prison somewhere. And nobody is even batting an eyelid. Can you imagine the man who was commanding the whole city? Different cities are leaving the city to come to the wilderness to hear him preach. And all of a sudden something happens to him and nobody says anything. Because by then the tension had left him. And gone. Everybody is now following Jesus. So that now Jesus goes to preach on the mountain and the 5,000 men, besides women and children, gather. Were they not not the same 5,000 that used to go to the wilderness to hear John the Baptist? I believe they were the same people. How many understand what I'm saying? It takes real sacrifice to say something like that. How many agree with me? I'm not saying that you should see it in in just John the Baptist's life. But it's something that's a lesson for all of us. Hallelujah. Galatians 2 verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life that I now live Is the life flesh I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me? Amen. He says that I have allowed myself to be crucified with Christ so that the life that I now live is not my life anymore, it is the life of Christ inside of me. What was He saying? Now we know that Paul was a very learned man. A great scholar. A pharisee of pharisees. Among the pharisees he was one of the chief pharisees, very zealous, very very zealous in the things of the religious uh, denomination or sect. And all of a sudden he has He says that the things that I counted as something, I now look at it as vomit. I now look at it as something that is just dung. I put it down. I, I, I disregard it. The people that we thought were the, these are the vermins, these are the, the cockroaches of society. These are people that are parading as righteous, but they are not the right real righteous. We are the real Jewish, real believers. These are people that are just making noise. Then all of a sudden he leaves this prestigious group and he joins these vagabonds. No more with the nobles. It takes real sacrifice. To live, to live the, the things of the, the, the that brings prestige. Like, like Moses left you know the, the, the palace. And he went to live with the slaves to be treated as one of the slaves. Hallelujah. Ask yourself, when he was visiting the uh, palace to give plague one, plague two, plague three, plague four, to plague ten, where was he spending the nights? Was he spending the nights in the palace? After he's visited the palace to go and confront Pharaoh, where does he return to? Back to Goshen. Hallelujah. This guy used to have a room in the king's palace. He knows the palace like the back of his hand. He knows every room there. He grew up in that place. In fact, he and the Pharaoh that was sitting on, they were mates. He could have been the next Pharaoh. Hallelujah. So, to let go of the pride, let go of the things that, that will give you prestige, to let it go and join the people that nobody really regards. It's like a different life. (laughs) Are you getting what I'm saying? It's like you're taking off a different life. Can we take off a different life? For Christ's sake. I know you have a lot of degrees. I know that you are very rich. I know that you have, but can we join in to do the things that you otherwise wouldn't have done. One of the things that really amazes me anytime time I come to church and I see all these very learned and very, very uh, powerful brothers and sisters cleaning the toilets and everything. I, I admire it. Hallelujah. Because it means that they have left their so-called Prestige and what makes them defines them to come and sweep. Yeah. They are doctors. They are master students. They are people working in this place and that place and the other place. But when you come into the church, you won't know who is a doctor. You won't know. The other day, I, I was very surprised when they were cutting the cake. And I was counting the number of doctors who were standing there. And when anybody walks in there, they are no different from any of us. Hallelujah. Because that is how it's supposed to be. When that we walk in and we see these are the rich people. These are the old people. These are the nobodies. These are the young ones who don't know anything. No, no, no. no. We all mix. So you come in, you won't see anybody. They were telling me a story on Sunday that happened. Somebody came into the church and said, wanted to see the pastor. <laughs> and they brought Pastor Sam. When the person saw Pastor, I said, Is this a, Ah? <laughs> I said, look at somebody. He was he wanted to see some Kuntakinti. <laughs> no. See, but what this guy doesn't realize is that. Don't let this figure fool you. The guys' nomenclature—you don't have quota. <laughs> I, I, I get what I'm saying, but like, it is that is how human beings we think, but that is not how Paul thinks. See that a life I now live is a life that has been deliberately, intentionally reduced to the life that fits Christ. Am I talking to somebody? How many understand what I'm saying? It takes sacrifice to do that. The disciple says, oh Lord, we have left all to follow you. Some of the people, their all was nothing. But for the others, their all was something. <laughs> are, you, are you getting it? Because in those days, the tax collectors, they were the rich people. They were the people with money. They were the investors. They were the business people. (laughs) Are you getting it? Like uh, uh, Luke, the doctor. Matthew had his own business. Peter had his business, isn't he? He was um, a fisher. He had his own company. And all these guys had left everything to follow. The life they now live was a life of Christ. And so Jesus said there is none of you who has left house, has left work, has left to follow me. That in this world will not get a hundredfold. And in the next life to come, eternal life. Hallelujah. I pray that we will live that life where our so-called value, the things that we, we pride in, we will drop it. Will drop it for the sake of Christ. Uh, one of my dreams, I always say that I want to see a millionaire, somebody who employs about thousand people, come join the ashes and will be hoovering this place, and you will know that they are millionaires. And I see it happening one day yeah. in this church. Yeah. Hallelujah. Business owners, people that employ about 5,000 people, you see them cleaning and playing the instruments and all that in the church. Hallelujah. Because your so called elevation is nothing before God. So, like Paul says, that a life I now live, not that I have reprehended or I have attained, but this one thing I do, forgetting that which I pass. I press on. I press on. Towards the price of the mark of the high calling. I keep pressing. I don't, I count everything that I've achieved as nothing. I've got PhD, so what? I have one million pounds in the bank, so what? I have 20 houses, so what? Hallelujah. Am I talking to somebody? let's talk about one last one oh, my time is up yeah you say this time until I get to I get home and I get into trouble so Peter says that we have left all isn't it in Mark chapter 10 verse 30 amen Luke chapter 14 verse 28 Luke chapter 14, verse 28. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish? How many have counted the cost of Christ? How many are counting the cost of Christ? What's going to cost you? My prayer for us is that as we are reading these things, we'll, we'll cost it. Amen. Some of us, we need to drop some friends. Some of us, we need to drop some, even, uh, what do you call relationships. Amen. It's a price. It's a price. The price would never change. The reason why these days we have a lot of so-called Christians who are not real Christians is because nobody wants to pay the right price. We visited um, this elderly um, man on Sunday, myself and Pastor Gloria. There's from one of these churches, and we have a conversation, a denomination talking about one of these, one of the biggest denominations that have ever come through this city. And today, this world, and today it's like it is finishing. And so we're talking to him, that and the question was. Why is it that this church used to be so big? Every corner you pass, the church, there's a branch. So you walk from here to the junction, there's another branch of it. You walk from the junction to the other junction, there's a branch there. And everyone is full. There were streets that were named after this church. And now nobody goes there. So we're asking this man who has been in the church for the last 70 years. What happened? Then he said that at a point, at a point, it became a club. The church became a club. It was not a place of regeneration of life. It was not a place of Christ. It, uh, people go to football. People go to, uh, what do you call it, sports. People go to pub. And then some also went to the church. So the church is where you meet your, friends, you meet your wives and husbands, you meet you know family members. That is how it became. So even though they go to church on a Sunday, it was not for the the salvation of souls anymore. It was a place where they just met to fellowship. For the weekend like some some of them some people will be going to the pub, some will be going to the stadium, then some will be going to church. And so, after a while, when many years later, now there's a lot of entertainment at home. Because those days, you did TV didn't come on until 5 p.m. for two hours. So, where do you go during the day? There's no internet. No phones. So, where do you go? You go to church to meet friends. Go to the stadium to meet friends. Go to the pub. To meet friends. some Not everybody likes pop, Not everybody likes football. So, some went to church. For the communion community. But now, other things have come. That has replaced that club. Because I can now pick the phone. And the people that I would have seen after church to speak to. The 10 people I would speak to. I can speak to them on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday. So, I don't need to go to the church anymore. To go and see them. So what happens? They stop going. Now we can do all sorts of things. So, guess what? There's no need for church anymore. That is why, I mean, I tell you the church has finished. When you say finished, it's left with maybe in the next, God forbid, by the next 10 to 15 years, nobody will exist because they will die off. Once the last member dies, the church has closed. As, as the man was saying I was thinking this thing can easily happen to us how many know that these things can easily you see, and the man asked that so how many people do you have in your church and, and I was saying that this thing can easily happen to us because see the Bible says the things that has been is the things that shall be in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 is there anything that you can say, see, this is a new thing? No, there's nothing new under the sun. If we treat the church like a club and we don't allow messages like sacrifice to enter us, it's only a matter of time we'll end up where these people are. Are ah, you getting what I'm saying? Yeah. Because it is not about gathering people just for the sake of gathering. Christ. It is Christ and Christ must be formed in us Galatians 4:18 that Christ must be formed inside of us if Christ is not formed in us if our life doesn't exhibit Christ then there is something wrong stand to your feet